Man, there's a miracle today. Amen. I believe that there's more than one for whosoever will. And the call of God goes out. It goes out to everybody. He's not just going to call one person specifically, but he's going to call all of us. And it's up to us, our response. He doesn't call and then respond for us. Amen. He just calls in and we answer that call. And I believe that there are people that will answer the call today. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Now, as Jesus was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. The Lord loves us. He loves us. Amen. That's undeniable. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't play favorites. He's no respecter of persons. He loves each one of us, regardless of your past and regardless of your future. The love of God is concrete. And so no matter what decision you make, if you decide that you're going to respond to that love or not, it doesn't change his love for you. Now that's real love. That's true love. However, we have a responsibility if we want to spend eternity with him in his love. God would not force you to spend eternity with him if you did not want to spend your life with him. People often say, why would a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't send anybody to hell. He allows people their choice. If you don't want to love him back here, there's no way he would force you to live up there in eternity with him forever. Right? Because true love allows us choice. And Jesus looked at him and loved him, Scripture said, and said to him, but one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus be, uh, answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? It sounds impossible then. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we've left all and followed you. And Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Amen. And I just want to talk to you for a few minutes and ask you the question, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Amen. If you will uh, just lift your hands one more time and, and as we go to the Lord in prayer before we enter into his word, Lord, we love you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit that we feel right now. 
Freedom is in the house, God, because you are here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, God. You've come to heal a broken heart, Lord. You have come. You've called us, Lord Jesus. You've called, Lord. And, and, and I pray, Lord, as the word of faith goes forth, that it would fall upon good ground, Lord, that you would find a sensitive heart, somebody who has surrendered themselves to you, God, and humbles himself at the word of God. As we hear the word, help us not to just be hearers of the word, but help us to be doers of the word. Help us to obey your word, God. God. I pray in Jesus' name that somebody's life would change today. Lord, you want to do it, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you help me say in Jesus' name? Jesus name. Amen. And you can be seated. My friend and I, Taylor Fish, uh, Taylor is a, is a good friend of mine. He's a little younger than me. He's also an evangelist. He's a fiery guy. Um, where I lack in, in, in confidence, he, he certainly makes up for it. So we were, we were doing a, a song together. We had written a song. We recorded it, and we were trying to find a place to do a, a, a music video, if you will, a Christian music video. The uh, premise of the song is that God is with us in the storm and in all the chaos. And so we were looking for a building um, that was torn down and perhaps rubble. And I was in South Carolina, about three hours from Atlanta, Georgia. And he wanted me to fly to Houston, but I was, I was um, in a seven-day revival and we were doing services every night, so I couldn't do that. And so I asked Taylor, well, can you come to Atlanta? And so he flew to Atlanta for a couple of hours and I had to pick him up for the airport. We had to go to a a spot, and he had only a few hours before, before he had to fly out again. So we had done our research before going, and you look online, and, and there's a number of places in Atlanta where you can, uh, a lot of cool spots, you know, that are, are, are run down, there's rubble, there's maybe graffiti, there's a lot of cool places that we found. But as we read uh, through the comments and things, we saw that... Um, you would, people would say, well, don't come here because you'll get ticketed for trespassing. The cops don't want you here. And so all these beautiful sites that we see, but can't access any of them. And so uh, Taylor is getting frustrated. He says, I'm going to call the police department. <laughs> so he gets the Atlanta police department on the phone. And he's talking to the, the lady and, and said, and telling her what we want to do. We want to go out there. And, and, and you know, the, we wrote a song and and uh, we just want to record out there. And she said, oh, you can go out there. We were looking at the old Atlanta prison farm. It had shut down maybe in the, in the 60s or so. And, and so, yeah, you can go out there. And he said, ma'am, are you sure? And he's taking down her name and number, you know. Yeah, it'll be fine. So I pick him up from the airport and we go to the, the spot. And there's about uh, 10 to 12 foot high fence around the perimeter of the place. And it's got the barbed wire on top, you know, and all the gates are locked. We can't figure out how to get in there. We don't have a key. Taylor sees a hole in the fence <laughs> by one of the gates. And so we decide we're just going to crawl through that hole. The poor cameraman that was with us, we had never met him before. And, and he did not want to have anything to do with it. I said, man, well, uh, you know. Taylor called and got permission, and uh, so we're just, we'll be all right. So we're following Taylor down this path, and all of a sudden, um, there's a loud noise, a siren, and there's a booming voice that comes from this machine there. It says, turn around now. You are trespassing. You are being, you are being watched. And so we stopped dead in our tracks it, it scared us, and we're thinking, oh, now, now what are we going to do? And uh, so we're turning around and walking back towards the fence, and the cameraman don't want to have anything to do with it. He's just a young guy. And uh, he said, let's get out of here. So Taylor's trying to get the police department on the phone. And, of course, they won't answer. It just keeps ringing and ringing. So we're standing by the gate, and here's a man that's running down the road, and he looks in through the fence, and he's noticeably upset. And he stops and says, what are you guys doing back there? <laughs> and so we begin to tell him the story. 
And, uh, you know, I told him, I said, we're here to record a video and, and we got permission to be here. He said, oh, yeah, sure. You got permission to be here. That's why you're in there without a key. That's why you crawled through the hole in the, the fence. I said, no, no, sir. I, I promise. Look, I'm a minister. It wasn't, I wasn't thinking this through, really. And I was pointing to my car. There's a clergy sticker on the car. I said, sir, I, we're ministers here. We're, we're here with permission. He's, yeah, sure. We hear all these stories, you know. So we, we're talking to him. We finally get him in a, in a place where he's calmed down a little bit. Come to find out he's a SWAT team member there in Atlanta. And he says, we practice back here. We shoot back here. And he said, people come through here all the time. We find people trespassing and they get mad at us for shooting. Say, so you shouldn't be back here. <laughs> and he said, uh, we finally settled him down enough to where I think he actually began to believe us. He said, okay. Just get what you need done there. Just, just do it, and I'll be around here if, if you guys need any help. But just hurry up and get out of there. It was a, the time that Atlanta was really having the protests and the riots and, and things. And so I think, I think everybody was busy and didn't really care about us going back there and shooting a, a film. But some, we, we, didn't have, we didn't have access. Isn't that frustrating? Have you ever had, not had access to something before? You ever couldn't, couldn't remember your password? Is that frustrating? It's your account, but you can't remember, and they won't let you in your account because you can't remember the password. You don't have access, and that's frustrating, isn't it? Look, we're in the presence of God today, and we have access to everything that God is and everything that God has for us. So there's no excuse to leave here today having not gotten what God has for you today. Some people come to church and they, and they leave the same way that they came. They come bound up, they come depressed, they come unhappy, and they leave the same way. That's not God's will. It's God's will for you to be free. It's God's will for you to be healed and whole and well. It's God's will for you to have a change of heart, a change of mind. It's God's will for you to be converted. We're not just here to take up space. We're definitely not here to just waste time. Right? We're not here to just check church off the, off the list and say, I did, I've done my Sunday duty and I'll just go and live how I want to live this week. But no, we're here because we want to please God. I know I'm looking into the faces of people that want to please God. Amen. I know I'm looking into the faces of people that say, you know, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Because I, I must be saved. I want to be saved. I know I'm looking in the faces of people, we're all in this uh, predicament together where the world is different than it was six months ago, than it was eight months ago, than it was 12 months ago. We're, it's much, much different now. And I know that I'm looking at, at some people that know that something, something's different than, than anything that our parents or grandparents or ancestors ever experienced. This is a change of climate now, and, and I must be saved. So what's it going to take? What's it going to take to be saved? How many of you have ever said these words? I'd give anything to. You ever said that? I'd give anything. We were in Bangladesh in January this year. It's hard to believe. Feels like years ago. But in Bangladesh for a week or two weeks, and, and we ate the same food every day. Every day it was uh, Indian food. It was very good. But, I mean, after the third or fourth day, you're just wanting McDonald's or something. I'd give anything. I'd hear people around me say, I'd give anything right now to have some fried chicken, something different than this uh, masala and this, uh, this bread here. But I mean, it was very good. But, but uh, you, you've said those words be before. I'd give anything. The rich young ruler had a lot going for him, obviously, by his descriptors. <laughs> I mean, he, he, what more do you need? He was rich, he was young, and he was powerful. He was a ruler, he had authority. Plenty of money, plenty of appeal, plenty of power, but evidently stuff doesn't satisfy. I mean, you think, if I'm going to have anything, I want what he has. Rich, young, power. And he had all of that, but stuff doesn't satisfy. Anybody know what I mean? Anybody been there? And the longer you live, the more you come to that understanding of what the wisest man in all the earth once said, vanity Vanity, all is vanity. There will be an end to all things. Man doesn't live forever and cannot take his stuff with him. Stuff doesn't take away the emptiness inside. It doesn't, it doesn't take care of the loneliness that 
you feel. Stuff may numb the pain for a minute, but it doesn't heal. It doesn't take the pain completely away. It may numb it, but it doesn't take it away. Stuff only complicates things, really. The more you have, the more you got to take care of, the more you got to focus on, the more you have to worry about. I remember when I was going through my time as a young man and I, I, I collected stuff and I loved the fact that I, I got this really nice car and, and it drove really nice. I loved it, man. It was just a prized possession. <laughs> it was a BMW 2005 3 Series and I thought it was just, I thought I was so cool and I thought it was just the best thing ever. And you know what? My mind was always on that thing. Where do I need to park that? You know, to park it way in the back. And so, so no, no dents, no scratches. And all of a sudden, you're consumed. Every, every waking moment, you're worried about what's happening out there with my stuff, the stuff that's going to pass away. <laughs> it really doesn't make any sense. Temporal and fleeting stuff. We see here that this, this young man's no different than, than all of us. When he sought Jesus out, he came to Jesus because something was off in his life. He was not at peace in his soul, even though he knew the difference between right and wrong, even though he did his best to, to walk the right path, he was still unsatisfied. There was still a lingering question. Am I going to be saved when it's all said and done? Is my soul going to be okay? I know I got a lot of stuff here on earth, but once I pass away, what's going to happen? And deep down in his heart, he knew that there was something more. There was something missing in his life. I believe that God has come to confirm to somebody's heart today that there is more. You've been thinking that way. You've been feeling that way. You're here because you want to do whatever it takes to please God, to make heaven your home. What's it going to take? Because we've all said that and we've all prayed that. I'll do whatever it takes. How many of us have prayed that very prayer? Just tell me what to do, God. I'll do it. No questions asked. Just tell me where to go, God. I'll go there. Can I help somebody today? It's very, very easy to say words. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll give everything. If you want me to sell everything and move to Africa and, and start a church, God, just speak to me and I'll do it. It's very easy to say those things. It's not so easy to live those things. It's, it, it, it's, it's very easy to avoid what God is trying to deal with us about right now. Sometimes without realizing it, and this is no harm to anybody, we all do this, but sometimes without realizing it, we say big things to avoid small things. I'll give everything, God. I'll do anything for you, God. But we can talk theoretically all day long, and it helps us to avoid what specifically we must do right now. It's like saying, well, I, I, I told that, you know, I, I told them to call me if they needed any help. <laughs> and it's easy to say that. Hey, call me up. If you ever need anything, call me. More than likely, they're not going to call you. I mean, if it's like me, I say, well, if you feel you need to, you need to help me, then I'll, I'll be glad to receive your help, but I'm not going to call you up. It's like some ministers tell me, say, hey, bro, when you're passing through, make sure you call me. I say, well, it's not going to happen that way. If I'm passing through, I'm on a mission, right? And I'm not going to pick up the phone and say, hey, can I come to your church? I'm not doing that. If you feel the need, then you, you, you'll ask me. But it's easy to say big things. You know what I'm saying? And when things are open-ended... Sometimes they're, very, they're not very sincere. A lot of folks want to discuss the end times instead of making sure that they're prepared for the end times. A lot of folks want to talk about the book of Revelation and where we fit and where other countries fit and where leaders fit instead of getting things right, right here, right now. Specifically what God is trying to deal with my heart about right now. Because talking about a distant thing is so much easier than doing something right now. It works the other way too. See, this is all a trick of the enemy. And if he can get you to buy into this, then he's got you right now. If you put off till tomorrow what God is calling you to do today, 
and saying, well, I've got another opportunity, maybe sometime. I'm not ready yet, but maybe sometime. And it's always sometime. But God is calling right now, and we have mercy available to us right now. And why would you walk out the same way that you came when you have the opportunity right now? We're not promised our next breath. I'm telling you, this world is wrapping up. I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. I'm just here to say the mercy of God is open and available to us right now. Why would you shun the mercy of God right now? Come on, why would you shun eternal life right now? Why would you shun being an overcomer and more than a conqueror conqueror and victory in Jesus' name? right now why would you settle for less why would you lay your head down on the pillow at night and still be miserable and still wonder when I pass away when this world is over with am I going to make heaven my home why would you have a question in your heart when you can settle the score now because God is calling us and the answer is not up to God but the answer is up to me hallelujah and it works the other way too because here is One thing that will get you out of responsibility, too. You mess up and you say, man, my whole life is a wreck. That's not true. But again, when I say my whole life's a wreck, instead of saying I have some areas I need to work on, But if you can convince yourself and other people that your whole life is a wreck, then what is the use in even trying? And see, you let yourself off the hook again. My whole life is a wreck. It's not true. God's calling you. And he's calling you specifically today to make a change. Amen, because God desires relationship with you. God desires that you are, yes, he cares about your temporary situation, but not near as much as he cares about your eternity. God doesn't want you lost and separated from him. God desires that you're forever with him in relationship, and it can start today. If you're not where you need to be today, come on, everything's not wasted. Your whole life's not a wreck. It's time to pinpoint where God is telling you it's time to surrender that piece of your heart to me. I want all of you. I don't want 99%. I want all. Amen. And if you'll give all today, you'll see that God will not leave you alone. Come on, God will uphold you you step out in faith and you don't see a path i'm here to tell you god will sustain you amen it's easy to be a praiser it's not so easy to be a worshiper jesus looked at his disciples in in mark chapter 12 and verse 44 and people were casting in money into the offering plate there and he was watching them and here comes a little old lady that just cast in a little bit just two mites Jesus said she cast in everything that she had. She cast in all of her living. It reminds me of the story of Abraham when he was carrying his son Isaac up the mountain. And God had asked him to do the unthinkable thing and sacrifice his promise on an altar. And Abraham went up the mountain and he told his servants, he said, stay here. I and the lad are going yonder to worship. Abraham called giving God everything worship. Praise is some, but worship is all. Praise can come from abundance, but worship has to come from your very substance. True worshipers, Jesus said, worship with all. They worship in spirit and in truth. David said, I will not offer something to the Lord that costs me nothing. There are a lot of ways that I can praise, but there's only one way that I can worship. Jesus said, you must worship me in spirit and in truth. Got to have both. There are some people today that say, you know what? God doesn't speak anymore. Everything that he said is in this word. That's not true. And so they shut out the spirit of God. And you can memorize this whole book. And you can have the truth and live the truth. But without the spirit, you're not a worshiper. Jesus is all about balance. you got to have spirit and truth. And there are some people that just want to come to church and feel the goosebumps and feel good and maybe even cry some tears but are not interested in living out what God has told us. No, it's not going to work that way. You can't just have spirit. you got to have spirit and truth. 
Amen. It's a balance now. And God said, if you really want to serve me, you're going to seek me. You're going to find me. You're going to, you're going to find out whatever it takes. I'm willing to pay the cost. That's what David said. I'm not going to offer something to the Lord that, co- that costs me nothing, something that's free. Amen. God is looking for true worshipers. And the rich young ruler was happy to be just a praiser because it costs a lot to become a worshiper. Praise can be a phase in your life, but worship has to be surrender. You can praise and still be lost. You can come and offer lip service to God and say, Lord, I love you with all of my heart, and I give you praise and thanks for all that you've done. But turn around and leave unchanged and live the way that you've been living. But God doesn't hear lip service. He says, take away from me the noise of your songs. I don't want that. I want your heart. Rend your heart. Come on, come to a place of submissiveness, of surrender into my presence. I want to deal with you, not to shame you, not to hurt you, but to help you. I want you to be saved. I want you to grow I want you to be healed of your past hurts and mistakes. Come on, I desire to work in this, in those parts that you, you've not been letting me in. You've not been opening the door, but I want to come in, not so I can hurt you, but I can help you. Amen. You can praise 24-7 and still be lost. Your, your life can be centered around coming to church and giving God every waking moment. How can one be lost if their entire life revolves around God? It's because they never moved beyond praise. They never became a worshiper. Amen. If you never get deeper than praise, then your life is dishonest. Now, I don't have time to say that true praise comes from true worship. I really don't have time to go into that. And so, but I'm just saying sometimes we get it backwards and we think that praise is what God wants. No, God desires substance. Jesus asked the rich young ruler, and this always boggled my mind. It really, it really just, I couldn't understand it. But as I was reading this passage the other day, the Lord opened up my eyes. Jesus said, why do you call me good? You see, Sometimes we can, and we're guilty, all of us are guilty of this. Sometimes we come and we try to butter up the Lord. I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Again, it's easy to be a praiser. And that's exactly what this man did. He said, good master, what good thing? Now, his, his, his question was sincere. He was honest. Obviously, he sought out the Lord because he knew something was missing in his life, right? But once he got to where God was, good master. See, if I can butter him up, if I can can get on his good side to where God will accept me for who I am and allow me to continue to live the way that I want to live, doesn't work that way. And Jesus saw right through it. And this is exactly why Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, that's God. You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. That was literally God standing before him. You know what Jesus was doing? He was hiding. Because when you hide from God, he hides from you. Because when you're not honest with God, he hides from you. That's why he said, I speak in parables, because those who are hungry will search it out for themselves. I'm not just going to put it in their laps. Some of us expect, well, if God wants to do something in my life, then he's just going to have to show up and drop in my lap. And God says, no, I don't override your will. I want to see some hunger. I want to see some effort. I want to see that you're really seeking. You're really searching. If you seek after me, if you search after me with all of your heart, you shall find me. He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. What a promise from God. But Jesus knew and could see right through the buttering up and the praising of his lips. And he said, you know what? Why are you calling me good? Jesus is hiding himself. Jesus understood he's not really serious. He's not to a point yet of surrender. He approaches me with shallow words of praise. He's happy to admit that his life has revolved around me ever since he was young. He's happy to talk about all the good things he's done. He's happy to say, hey, I've I've kept all the commandments from my youth up. I've been a good, moral person. But Jesus says it's going to cost you more than that. You can't do it on your own. you got to be filled with the Spirit of God. Come on, it, you you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It, it's not enough to be just a good, moral, decent person who went to church and never missed a service and gave in tithes and offerings. It's not enough. Jesus is looking for more than that. He, he wants more than just skimming off the top and a little bit of abundance. Jesus is looking for substance. It, it's going to cost you something. In fact, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your life, and it's worth the cost. 
Nevermore in these times have I been so more aware of Jesus' words. And they ring true. They make so much sense when Jesus said, He that seeks to save his life shall lose it. But he that loses it for my sake shall find it. Never have I seen a situation than we are in today where people are living. They're gripped by fear. And so they're not living at all. And people are held up in their houses and they can't go out and live because they're so gripped by fear. They're trying to hang on to what little they have and they're losing everything. I'm not here to disparage. I'm not here to talk down. But I'm saying it's reality when we seek to hang on to what little we have instead of giving it all to God. Jesus said it's going to cost you. He that's going to follow me must deny himself. That's the first requirement before you even take up your cross. Don't even take up the cross if you've not denied yourself. It's too heavy a load to bear. Come on, but you must first deny yourself. Jesus was hiding because that rich young ruler was content with hiding. He's willing to check off the boxes and say, man, hang a certificate on the wall and say, look, I kept all the commandments. He's willing to be a great praiser, but he's not willing to be a true worshiper. And if you want God, but you're, you're not willing to give up self, then you're just a great praiser, but you're not a good worshiper yet. Jesus woke me up one morning last year, or two years ago, and I felt like somebody was praying for me. Don't you love that? When you know somebody's praying for you. Immediately I knew it. I sensed it in the spirit. Somebody was praying for me. And the Lord whispered to me. He said, you want my will. I hear you say it in your prayers. But you want my will your way. And it doesn't happen that way. If you want my will, it's got to be my way. You can't have my will your way. I will not change my word based on how you feel or what you think. No. Come on. You must surrender all. Whether or not you understand it, you must surrender all. And this young, rich young ruler is willing to meet minimum requirements of religion. Give, obey commandments, show up, talk about God, talk about scriptures to family and friends. He's a great praiser. If you want God, you've got to give up all. James chapter 4 verse 8 said this. It's a beautiful promise. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. <laughs> if you're willing, God is able. Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 18 verse 25 can you pull that up? Psalm 18 and 25 said to the merciful, God, to those who show mercy, God is merciful. I, I want you to catch it here. God mirrors everything that you do. To the upright, he will show himself upright. Next verse. With the pure, he will show himself pure. Thank you so much. Media team, you're doing awesome. With the pure, he shows himself pure. With the forward, he shows himself forward. Or the message version said, to the bad ones, he hides himself. To those who aren't serious, to those who play games, he's just mirroring everything that you do. Are you hungry? I'll be hungry. He showed up in John chapter 4 to the woman at the well. And you know what? The first thing Jesus said was, hey, can you give me something to drink? Jesus knew this lady was broken and she was desperate and she was already in a place where she, you know what? I'm going to surrender my life today. And all of a sudden, they started talking about that living water. Now, it took some coaxing. It took, some, it took a little bit for Jesus to come around, bring her around to the truth, right? She still tried to sidestep. She still tried to hide because it's painful when God wants to deal with something specific in our lives. But when it came down to it, she said, sir, I want this living water. And she went and told everybody everybody about the living water. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is going to mirror every move that you make. If you're hungry, he'll be hungry. He's the bread of life. But if you're hungry, he'll be moved with compassion. Come on, the bread of life is here today, and you can eat from the table that he's prepared for you. If you're thirsty, I'm telling you, Jesus is thirsty for relationship with you as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, the apostle Paul says that God gives seed to the sower. Not to somebody who calls himself a sower. Not to somebody who says, I'm a Christian, and wears their, uh, I go to Life Spring Church as, as some type of badge of faith. No, God doesn't care about that. He wants to know, are you proving it by your actions? And he gives seed to the sower. Not somebody who says, hey, I go to church. I'm Pentecostal. I'm Lutheran. I'm Baptist. I'm Catholic. God don't care about that. He wants to see how you're living. Because <laughs> faith ain't something that I wear as a badge of honor. Faith is my obedience to the gospel message, whether I understand it or not. If you can wrap your mind around it, come on, some of you have been serving yourself. Because when you don't understand, you can't wrap your mind around it, then you choose not to obey. 
And we're so hypocritical how we want our little two-year-old not to run out in the street. We want them to obey us whether they understand it or not. They throw a fit. They don't understand. Well, hey, little kid, if you want to live, guess what? You ain't going to run out in the street. But we're hypocritical when we come into the presence of God. I don't understand why God would do that. Why would God require me to be baptized in Jesus' name? Does it really matter? Can I be baptized as a baby? Can I do what I want to do? Is it just a symbol? No. Scripture said I must bear it out in Jesus' name. If I want my sins washed away, I must go down in the water in Jesus' name. I don't understand talking in tongues. God didn't ask for your understanding. God asked for your obedience. God asked for you to surrender your heart to him, whether you understand it or not. I'm here to tell you God's looking for some true worshipers uh, that will that will shelve uh, their past experiences even and their religiosity. Oh, he told 500. He was gathered there before he ascended into heaven. He told 500 followers. He said, go, tarry in Jerusalem. Wait to be endued with power from on high. Only 120 made that journey all the way successfully. Only 120 experienced when the power of the Holy Ghost swept through that place and they were filled with his presence. Only 120. Where's the rest of them? See, some of them aren't willing. Some of them are willing to be great praisers. Perhaps some of them went halfway. Perhaps some of them went three-quarters of the way. But when it came down to it, only 120 said, regardless of whether or not I understand, I'm going to obey. Jesus requires us to repent regardless. They're standing there too, the 500 on that hill before he ascends. And they say, you know what their question is? His disciples say, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Oh, that's me. The word is hitting me, folks. Can you restore America like I was used to a year ago? God ain't interested in that. He don't care about that. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. You want life your way. He said, I got something so much bigger. And so much better. I care not about your temporal state, but your eternity. He said, go be filled with power. I know you don't understand it. He answered the question. He said, you'll receive power. It's not the answer they wanted. But it's the answer he gave. God's always going to answer your question. Sometimes not the answer you want, so you ignore it. And that's what they did. They're standing there after Jesus ascends. They're looking up. Maybe hoping the word of God will change. Maybe hoping God will change his mind. Perhaps hoping God will forget what he said. And we could do something different. I don't know how long they were standing there, but evidently long enough for two angels to come down and say, what are you guys doing? He gave you instruction. Go. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Go wait. (laughs) See, they were waiting mindlessly, hoping that the will of God would change. But Jesus told him, go wait with intentionality. Wait on me. Wait on the promise of the Father. Don't wait and hope my word will change. If you're going to wait on me, you better get moving and obey instructions. Do what I told you to do. Don't just sit there and say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. That's real cute. It's another cop out to say, hey, I ain't moving. I'm comfortable here. I, I, I can't understand where God's leading me, so I'm not going there. It's another cop out to say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I've done it. Hey, I'm preaching to myself, folks, all right? Is that okay? Maybe I'm not preaching to any of you. You're all perfect angels. Let me just preach to myself here. I'm just waiting on the Lord. And God's saying, no, I'm waiting on you to move, to step out by faith, to obey the word of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong here. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm wrapping up. Give and it shall be given. Come on. God is going to, he's willing to trade substance for substance. He's willing to give all of him to, if you give him all of you, he's willing to pour out his blessings upon you. You cannot even fathom how God wants to use you. You cannot even fathom what God has in store for you. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding can finally guard your heart and mind when you lay down on the pillow at night. Say, man, there's nothing like relationship with almighty God. Hallelujah. This is why the young man approached Jesus because he didn't want to miss out on eternal life. And, and what's it going to take? What's it going to take? You've got to give up what you've been holding on to and what's been holding on to you. Uh, if you want eternal life, you've got to give it up. Maybe it's not money like it was for this rich young ruler. Maybe it's not fame or fortune or power. But for each one of us, I'm telling you, it's something that we must repent of, that we must lay on the altar of sacrifice and burn it up. God, take it. I don't want it. I'm turning around. I'm walking your way. Each and every one of us have got to come to a place of submission and repentance maybe it's your religion that you need to give up 
Oh, I know that's stepping on some toes. Come on, maybe it's your past experience with God or how you were raised or or all the things you were taught about God or maybe the way that you feel like you've got the market cornered on God and you know all about God and what God wants to do. No, no, you got to give up your religion and your way of thinking because God has come to do a brand new thing. Come on now. God wants to fill somebody with the power of the Holy Ghost. Why are there so many different religions in the world? Why are there so many different beliefs in the world when there's only one way? Jesus said, I am the way. Then why are there so many different religions? I'll tell you why. All it means is somebody is serving God in a way that is convenient for them. There's a bunch of convenient praisers out there, but not not everybody's willing to be a worshiper and sacrifice all and say, I'm in it. God, whatever you tell me to do, serving a God I can understand and I can wrap my brain around and I can define is no God at all. It makes me God. Maybe that's your one vice because you won't do it unless you understand. And God's asking you to shelf your understanding for a minute, minute so he can do a new thing in your life. Brandy came to the altar in South Carolina. I perhaps may have told you this story. Brandy came to the altar. She wanted the Holy Ghost. She was praying so good, even tears running down her face. And Brandy just couldn't, she was praying well, but she couldn't quite break through. And I felt like I hear her lips were trembling. I could see the Holy Ghost was on her. It was just a matter of surrender, but Brandy couldn't break through. So I said, Brandy, you're praying well. I'm going to go pray for some other people. I'm going to come back in just a little bit. I'm going to continue to pray for you. I come back over here, and there's cigarettes on the altar. I said, whose are those? She said, Brandy threw those down. I said, Brandy, can I stop you for a moment? I said, Brandy, did you throw those cigarettes on the altar? She said, yeah, I did. I said, well, you're going to receive the Holy Ghost then. You're going to receive God. I said, but before we pray again, Brandy, is there anything else that may be between you and God? You don't have to tell me. You're not confessing to me. You can keep it to yourself if you want to. This is between you and God. There's one mediator, Jesus Christ. So you just tell God, if there's something that's in between you and what God wants for you, Brandy hung her head, and before I could even, you know, stop or pause her for a moment, she said, I feel like I can't stop smoking marijuana, and I feel like I can't stop drinking alcohol. I said, Brandy, you made the decision to throw those cigarettes down on the altar, didn't you? She said, yeah, I did. I said, in the same way, it's a choice that we make. It's a choice. Perhaps you feel like you don't have the power to do it all on your own. That's why you need God's power. But he needs to know you're willing to lay it down. I repent. I'm sorry. I'm walking away. I don't want this. I want what you have for me, God. And when God sees a surrendered heart, my God, he's going to break through. When God sees somebody that's honest, that means business. I said, Brandy, in the same way that you threw those cigarettes down, I want you to make the decision in the same way. There's nothing that's going to separate me. I'm getting to Jesus. Brandy said, here's what I like to do before I pray. She said, I want to go home, and I want, to, I want to flush everything I have. I want to break every bottle. I said, okay, Brandy, you can do that. I said, you don't have to do that. You can make up your mind right here and now and then go home and do it. But I said, if you feel like you need to do that, Brandy, then you can do that and come back tonight. Brandy came back that night. I, she came up to the altar right, right at uh, altar time. I said, Brandy, did you do what you said you was going to do? She said, yes, I did. She lifted up her hands, and within 15 seconds, Brandy was speaking another language as God came to fill her heart. See, some of us haven't reached a place yet to where we let God come all the way through like he wants to. We get there, we're so close, but we're not willing to surrender all. God's looking for a surrendered heart. Even if you feel like you don't have the strength in and of yourself to do it, if you say, God, I repent and I surrender and I want it your way and I'm not stopping until, God sees a hungry heart and he's going to fill you. When God sees obedience to his word, he's going to do it. Come on, some of you have been struggling with whether or not I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And there's a world out there full of false doctrine that says, well, it's a symbol to others that you have made a consecration and a decision to live for the Lord. But that's not what the Bible says. Don't take what I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you. Do not even take what I'm saying. And just believe that. No, you need to look in the word for yourself, and I can show you in the word where it is. But you don't need to take my word for it, because that means you're not hungry yet. Come on, you're just wanting the preacher to live your life for you. No, you need to look in the word for yourself and see that Peter said, you shall be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. If you want your sins washed away, you got to go under in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no sprinkling. That's not the way they did it in Scripture. That's not the way Jesus told them to do it. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. They weren't baptized in the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. If I told you to go baptize somebody in my name and I told you to repeat that, you say, oh, in your name. No, 
That's not what Jesus meant. He said, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And what is his name? And so the disciples carried out. They didn't just repeat what Jesus said. They carried out what he said. They baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. Acts 4.12 said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And when you make up your mind, I want my sins washed away. I want to go under the water in the name of Jesus. Why wait? Why tarry? I want to be changed. God is going to fill you with a baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe faith is rising in the house right now. I believe somebody's hungry not to do it your way anymore, but to do it God's way. Come on, can you lift up your voice and say, Lord, I surrender to your word. I surrender, God, to your kindness. I surrender to the mercy of God, which is here right now. I know that you're calling me. I know, God, that it's up to me. It's a choice that I have to make. As Joshua stood before the people that day and said, choose you this day whom you will serve. I'm not blaming what I'm going through on anybody else. I'm done running. I'm done playing the blame game. God, I'm ready to be accountable to your word. I'm ready to obey what you've told me to do. I'm not doing your will my way. I can't do that. And I'm not just saying, God, whatever it takes as a means to put off till tomorrow because you've told me specifically what it takes. If I want eternal life, I must be born again of the water and the spirit. You said in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, truly I tell you, you must be born again of the water and the spirit if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven. God, I want to do it your way. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. Hallelujah. Michael came up too several months ago, right before COVID hit. The last service I was in, Michael was upset because just the night prior in revival service, his girlfriend, who had never walked into a Holy Ghost-filled atmosphere, she didn't know what she was feeling. And she came running to the altar with tears running down her face. She didn't know what. I said, Misty, that's okay. That's God. He wants to fill you with his spirit. Missy lifted up her hands, and within seconds, she was speaking a new language she had never learned as the Holy Ghost was helping her to say those words. Michael looked at her and was so angry. I could see it all over him. I said, Michael, what's, what's the matter? He said, I grew up in this. I know all about this. I was in a spirit-filled church, but I've never received the Holy Ghost. She walks in for the very first time, doesn't even know what she's doing, and surrenders her heart to God, and God fills her with his presence. I said, Michael, it's okay. You can receive it too. Michael lifted up his hands, and he was praying good too, but there was something that was stopping Michael from allowing the Lord to take over and speak that language. Nobody helps you speak this language. I don't teach you. The preacher doesn't teach you. Nobody does. No, it's God. The Spirit, the Spirit is helping you to speak an unknown language. That's the will of God. You must be filled with the Spirit. Now, Michael was coming to that point, but there was a stopping point he, he couldn't break through. So I said, Michael, I don't know why I feel the need to tell you this, but let me tell you. I'm going to go pray for somebody else. I'll come back and pray for you. But I'm going to tell you like I told Brandy, who threw her cigarettes down on the altar. There could be something that's stopping you. I don't know what it is. Something between you and God. That's, I don't know what it is, but you do. You know what God's been talking to you about. He's on your heart about. He's on your conscience about. I said, if you choose, Michael, to finally lay that down, surrender it to God, he's going to fill you with the Spirit. I'll come back in a few minutes, pray for you. In a few minutes of time, I come back over here, and I see brass knuckles on the altar. Misty's pointing, his girlfriend, she's pointing at him. I pick him up real quick and put him in my pocket. I don't want Michael to be embarrassed. I said, Michael, did you throw those brass knuckles on the altar? He said, yes, I did. Well, I said, well, you're about to receive the Holy Ghost. Go ahead and lift up your hands. And within seconds, Michael was speaking a new language as God filled his heart. There is something that stops us. I don't know what it is in your life, but God's talking to you because he's been on your, con I'm not telling you anything new. God's been on your conscience and on your heart. It's why you can't feel peace in your heart, why you can't feel the breakthrough in your life, why there's still a lingering question. I'm just telling you what, what God says, okay? I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger, okay? But you know I'm not telling you anything new. If you want to break through and experience God like you've never experienced before, if you want to be filled with power, if you want to be filled with love and joy unspeakable, the Bible calls it, full of glory. Come on, if you want that in your heart, you can receive it today, but you've got to be willing to surrender all. I talked to Michael after. I said, what was it, Michael? You grew up in church. What was it? What was the hindrance? He said, ever since I was a little child, ever since I can remember, I was a runt. I was always the runt. I was always picked on. He said, ever since I can remember, I carried protection with me. 
If it was a gun, if it was a knife, if it was brass knuckles, it was always something I had in my pocket. And as you were preaching about surrendering today, he said, I felt God whisper to me, are you going to be your own protector or are you going to let me protect you? Now, this is where the rubber really meets the road here, because I'm not talking about somebody who's not in any trouble. He's running from gangs. He's running from a bad drug deal. The people looking for him to kill him. I'm talking about not just professing something. This is where the rubber meets the road. And for Michael, it was really a life and death situation. And God was saying, hey, you're comfortable to take care of yourself? You see how that's worked out for you? Are you going to let me be your provider? You're going to let me be your protector? See, some of us are willing to, to, to just put God in our little defined box and say, you know what? I'm willing to just say my little prayers and do my little Bible reading, and I know I'm going to be saved. That's all. I don't want to hear anymore, preacher. No, I'm, te- I'm not telling you. The Holy Ghost is telling you. Come on. He's calling you. He's pulling you. He's drawing you. It's time to make a move today. It's time to surrender your heart today. If you'll be like Michael and just throw that down on the altar, I surrender God. I'm telling you, you will experience a life change like you've never experienced in all your life. If you want your sins washed away today, we're going to baptize somebody in the mighty name of Jesus. Don't leave this place today if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name. Come on, have your sins forever washed away. Would you stand up to your feet right now? Hallelujah, the Holy Ghost is in this place. God is here. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is here. And God has come to deal with somebody's heart. God has come to deal with somebody's life. He wants to break the chains of bondage and addiction, but you've got to give it over to him. Is there somebody that God's tugging on your heart? If you'll close your eyes, everybody. I don't want this to be about looking around. This ain't between us and anybody else. It's between me and God. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if God has been tugging on your heart, I want you to know you've got an open invitation to step out of your chair and you can come to this altar. We can social distance. If you need that, you want to wear a mask, whatever, that's fine. But I'm here to tell you, I feel like God is calling somebody to step out from where, if you take that little step of faith and and don't remain comfortable where you are, but if you prove with your actions, God, I'm willing, I'm stepping forward. I'm receiving your word. I want the Holy Ghost. I want you to fill my life. God, I don't want to be like the rich young ruler who turned away sad and sorrowful, but I want to be a worshiper. I want to give all, God. I don't want to just skim off the top of my life and give you from abundance, but I desire to give you all. If you will not hide yourself from God, he will not hide himself from you. Would somebody come? Come on, the Lord's been tugging on your heart. Why don't you step out of that aisle, ma'am? Come on, why don't you make your way to this front? Come on, you can receive new life today. The power and presence of the Lord is here. Don't be, don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed, and don't be ashamed. God is here and where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's about to be a breakthrough in somebody's heart. There's about to be a breakthrough in somebody's life right now. Come on, young person. God's dealing with you, sir. Come on, he's been dealing with you, and you've been pushing back you've been you've you, you, you not been surrendering but god is calling you right now and while the door of mercy is open why don't you step on into that door hallelujah come on as you lift up your hands and a heart surrendered come on some of you are going to begin to speak a new language like you've never learned before that's the holy ghost come on speak it out let god take over you let god take over come on he's willing to fill an empty vessel He's willing to meet somebody. Were you willing to meet him? There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Is there anybody else? Come on, no looking around. This between us and God. Is there anybody else that needs a life change? That's it, young man. Come on, God's dealing with you. That's it. That's wonderful. Is there anybody else that wants to step out of their chair, wants to walk down this aisle? Is there anybody else that wants the Holy Ghost, wants to be baptized in the name of Jesus? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we respond to your call. I feel the joy in the house, God. Hallelujah. I feel the joy in the house, Lord, as she begins to sing and play. Hallelujah. Let's take some time to entertain the presence of the Lord right now. I feel the joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost. He's all over me. Joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord. 